to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, good morning, One Church family. Happy Sunday to you wherever you are today. I hope you're having an incredible Sunday, uh, the first Sunday of September. Can you believe that? It is already September. And uh, I am so thankful that you have joined us today. So glad uh, that you are with us, that you're taking the time uh, just to stay connected. I know many of you are in house church today. Uh, Hopefully you've had some food, having some fellowship, enjoying this time together. And, um, you know, I, I know that this is a unique season that we're in, but I was just thinking about this moment earlier today and Uh, I have a feeling that this season is a time that a year from now, we're going to look back at this time and we're going to say, those were the days. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard that statement before. I know oftentimes we say those those were the good old days. But I, I think this time that we're in, there's something special that God is doing in this time. And uh, in this season. So I just want to say thank you for being a part. Thank you for staying connected in this season. And um, also, speaking of staying connected, I want to remind you, uh, next Sunday evening, September 11th at 6 p.m., we're having our first one-night gathering. And uh, this is going to be an incredible time for us to gather as a church, uh, encounter the presence of God, to be encouraged and encourage one another. And uh, so I want to encourage you to plan to join us next Sunday evening, September 11th, 6 p.m. at Harriet's Orlando Ballet Center. Okay, it's going to be a new place, uh, new experience, but it's going to be a great, great time. Uh, Extended time of worship. Uh, We will have child care, I think, up to age six. And I know... um, For some of us, I know uh, perhaps an evening meeting may mean rearranging your schedule a little bit. Maybe it affects your bedtime a little bit. I just want to encourage you. I think it will be worth it. Uh, I know some of us, even with kids, it may be a little change, uh, but I really think it's going to be worth it. So I want to encourage you. Plan to be there. It's going to be awesome. And stay tuned uh, to your email for more information. Well, if you have your Bible today, why don't you grab it and turn with me to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, uh, chapter 6, this was written to the church in Galatia. Um, And the Apostle Paul says this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. He says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. The Apostle Paul here is talking about this this challenge that every single one of us faces between the flesh and the Spirit. The flesh being those things that are temporal, those things that are... Uh, you know, just of this world, our carnal desires, carnal ambition, uh, lower desires or disordered desires, things that lead us away from life with God. He, He talks about the flesh and he also talks about the spirit, living for the spirit. And Paul gives us Uh, really the answer of how we live, not for the flesh, but for the Spirit. And he uses this phrase, sowing and reaping. 
And I want to pick up on the teaching that I started last week, kind of a two-part series on sowing and reaping out of this passage. And I shared with you last week uh, what I would call the law of sowing and reaping, the law of sowing and reaping. And uh, it is based right out of this passage. It it really runs throughout all of Scripture. Uh, But Paul speaks to it specifically in this passage. And uh, the law of sowing and reaping is not a um, federal law, state law, local law. It's not the kind of law that if you break it, the police are going to show up and, you know, haul you away. It's not that kind of law. It's not a, a, a government law. It's actually the law of God. It's a law that God has put into the world that governs all of creation and all of life. The law of sowing and reaping. And here is what that law is. Paul says it this way, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. That is the law of sowing and reaping, that whatever you sow, there is a harvest that comes out of that. And that is true in in all of life. That is a law of life, just like the law of gravity. Uh, If you break the law of gravity, you, you know, go up on a on the roof and decide that you are going to break the law of gravity and you step off, the police won't come and get you. The ambulance will come and get you. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it, you. You break it to your own detriment, but when you understand it, you can cooperate with it to your own benefit. And the same is true when it comes to the law of sowing and reaping. This is a law that governs life in the kingdom of God. And it's also a law that governs all of our natural life as well. Just as a seed in the ground produces a harvest, the Apostle Paul is saying that that same law that governs um, agriculture governs all of life. And I believe that God wants us to understand, to recognize the law of sowing and reaping so that we can not only experience the blessing of God in our lives in a greater way, but we can also become a greater blessing to the world around us. I shared with you last week that, uh, or two weeks ago, we talked about Abram and God's promise to Abram that through his seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Abram's destiny was contained within his seed and it was through sowing and reaping ultimately, that the blessing of God was released through in Abram and through Abram. And I believe God wants to do that in all of our lives as well. The Apostle Paul actually said that those words to uh, Abram was the gospel. Through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I want to pick up on that thought. Last week, I talked to you about this law of sowing and reaping, and I shared with you the first three aspects of that law. And it it was this, that sowing and reaping is universal. It affects everybody. Um, Just as it is a natural thing, it's a spiritual thing. And and you may not agree with it. You may not believe in it, but it affects you. It is universal. It is what theologians call common grace. Uh, God will make a seed produce for someone that believes in him or doesn't believe in him. It's universal. It applies to everybody. So I shared with you it was universal. The second thing I shared with you is that sowing and reaping is identical, that every seed reproduces fruit 
according to its kind, the Bible says. And the same is true in uh, our spiritual life, that whatever harvest you want, the, the seed produces a harvest of the same kind. I shared with you that's true, you know, socially. If you want friends, you've got to be friendly. So it's universal. It's also identical. The third thing I shared with you last week is that sowing and reaping is intentional, that it's not accidental, that when we recognize the reality and the potential of sowing and reaping, that we will become intentional to sow into things that will bring a greater harvest in our lives, that we will sow into the things that matter most. Uh, a A farmer becomes very intentional because he's expecting a return on his investment. I shared with you that, you know, I've thrown an apple core out the window, but I've never received an apple uh, harvest (laughs) because I was not intentional. And so I want to pick up and give you the fourth aspect of sowing and reaping. Actually, the the last four aspects. But the fourth aspect that I want to share with you today about sowing and reaping is this, that sowing and reaping is sacrificial. Sowing and reaping is sacrificial. Everybody loves reaping. But in order to reap, there must be a seed sown and sowing is sacrificial. It's sacrificial. It is actually giving up something that is currently of value in order to produce a future harvest. It's a sacrifice. It's giving up something. That's what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 12, verse 24. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Now, I don't know about you, but I like that phrase, much grain. In my life, I want every aspect of my life to produce much harvest, uh, abundantly. I want my family to produce abundantly. I want my spirit to produce abundantly. I want Peace in abundance, joy in abundance. I want my relationships to flourish and be abundant. I love the much grain part, but much grain is preceded by fall to the ground and die. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. And what Jesus is saying is that in order for there to be a harvest, there must be a sacrifice of seed. And this is true naturally, and it's true spiritually. It is a paradox of life and a paradox in the kingdom of God, that what you hold on to, you will ultimately lose. If you, in your natural life, seek to just lay up for yourself all the wealth, all the the possessions that you can possibly get, you will ultimately lose everything. But if you will let go of things, what you let go will grow. Or or we could say it this way, what you release, God will increase. Seed that is never sown, seed that is never sacrificed, will never produce a harvest. And so here's the reality about sowing and reaping is that sowing is hard. A a farmer has a, a tremendous sacrifice in order to get a tremendous harvest. He sacrifices his time. He sacrifices his energy in order to produce a harvest. And the same is true in our lives, that in order to have a harvest, there is a sacrifice. And 
Uh, that's true spiritually. If you want the harvest of God, if you want the blessing of God in your life, and I'm not talking about just physical things, I'm talking about peace, um, it, joy, it requires, a, it requires a sacrifice. In fact, psychologists even say that, that those who, who um, serve other people <coughs> are the, the happiest people in the world. If you battle depression, one of the greatest ways to get over it is not sitting around and just thinking about yourself, but by getting out and serving other people. And so sowing and reaping is sacrificial. If you want to reap, you've got to sacrifice. It's a law in the kingdom of God. And so every single one of us need to recognize that if that we want to receive a harvest, we've got to sacrifice our time. How are you sacrificing your time? How are you sacrificing your, your, your treasure? How are you sacrificing in your talents? And so the, the first thing I want to share with you today, number four, is that sowing and reaping is sacrificial. The next thing I want to share with you <clears throat> is this, that sowing and reaping is also proportional. It is proportional. What do I mean by that? I mean that the harvest is proportionate to the seed. The amount that you reap is determined by the amount that you sow. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Uh, again, I, I don't know about you, but I want a bountiful harvest in my life. I, I want to harvest not just a little fruit, I want a lot of fruit. But in order to reap a lot of fruit, you've got to sow a lot of seed. And so sowing and reaping is proportional. That means if you want a great harvest in your life, you've got to sow a great amount of seed. If you want energy, you've got to give energy. If you want, um, if you want to receive a, a great harvest, you've got to sow a lot of seed. And, and I believe that's important because that affects the way we see what we have in our hands. It, it causes us to be motivated to be more sacrificial in order to receive a greater harvest. God is calling us to be people that will sow great into the kingdom of God, that will sow uh, as, as much as we can. You know, in uh, finance, there is a tool, uh, a financial tool, and I'm not a financial planner, but there's a financial tool called leverage. And leverage is the ability to access capital, to borrow money in order to receive a, a greater return when the market goes up. And basically, uh, you know, if you have $5,000 and the market, and you invest it and the market goes up 100%, uh, you, you make not you get 5,000 back. But if you leverage your 5,000, perhaps to borrow 20,000, so you have 25,000 and you invest that and the market goes up 100%, you don't get 5,000 back. You now get uh, 25,000 back. So you have multiplied bountifully your investment. And the same is true in the kingdom of God, that what we sow determines what we reap, 
The amount that we sow determines the amount that we reap. A, a, a farmer doesn't sow one seed, one tomato seed, and expect a whole field of tomatoes. The same is true in our spiritual life. That means this, that if you want life to the full, you've got to be generous. You've got to be abundant. You see, everybody is, has the same righteousness before God, but the Apostle Paul says this, that he has increased the fruits of our righteousness. You can't get any more righteous, but you can increase the fruits of your righteousness, and that is your eternal reward. Every Christian stands with the same amount of righteousness before God. Every Christian is, has the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but not everyone will receive the same reward. Those who sow uh, a greater sacrifice will receive a greater reward. It's proportioning. It's proportionate. It's the law of sowing and reaping. And what you invest determines what you receive. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I'd love to be able to go back to maybe the early days of Bitcoin or the early days of Tesla or the early days of Apple and, and so into that company. Because now we've seen the, the tremendous uh, harvest that has come from that. Um, you know, if I could go back 20 years ago and if I knew what the real estate market was doing. I would invest everything I had. I would have begged, borrowed, and stole everything I could to invest into it in order to receive a greater harvest. And Paul is saying that in the kingdom of God, if you want a great harvest of righteousness, you've got to sow, um, not sparingly, you sow bountifully. You sacrifice bountifully in order to experience a bountiful harvest. So number, uh, the, the fourth thing I shared with you is that sowing and reaping is sacrificial, but it's also proportionate. What you sow determines what you receive. The book of Proverbs says it this way in Proverbs 11, 24 through 25, there's one who scatters yet increases more, and there's one who withholds more than is right. In other words, he, he's not sowing his seed, and it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also himself be watered. He's talking about sowing and reaping. What we sow determines what we reap. Uh, the next thing I want you to see about sowing and reaping is that sowing and reaping is not only sacrificial and proportional, but it's also seasonal. It's seasonal. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap, not may reap, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now, if you have your Bible, I want you to just circle that word due season. Paul says, if you're sowing seed, you will reap, but he says you will reap in due season. Or we could say it this way, every seed has its season. Every seed has its season. Built into the DNA of a seed, God has put a season in that seed. Strawberries have a season. Blueberries have a season. Apples have a season. Oranges have a season. Every seed has its season. And 
when a farmer plants a seed, he's not expecting a harvest that day. He's sowing a seed today in order to reap a harvest in the future. And, and between the time you sow and the time the harvest comes, there is a waiting period. There is a period of time where that seed has been put into the ground and it looks like that seed is not doing anything. It looks like that seed has just been wasted. Uh, you know, a, a farmer could put a seed in the ground and, and it doesn't look like anything is coming and he could just think or she could just think, it's not working. That's a bad seed. And Paul is saying it's not a bad seed. Paul is saying there is a season to that seed. Paul is saying just keep sowing. Just keep waiting. The harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. And that is one of the most important aspects in the law of sowing and reaping is the, the period of waiting. What we do with the waiting will determine the harvest that we receive. You know, a farmer doesn't sow the seed. Look at it and go, there's no fruit. This seed's bad. Pull it up and, and take his seed back. That's not what he does. He keeps sowing. He keeps sowing. You see, your seed today is not a harvest today. It's a harvest tomorrow. The seed you sow today will determine the harvest you receive 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road and into eternity. It, it is seasonal. There is a season. The Bible says this, that there is a time and season to everything under heaven. And so perhaps you are getting weary in well-doing. Perhaps God has put you in a job and you feel like God's purpose is not being fulfilled. I'm not seeing any fruit in this. I just want to quit. And you stop sowing good seed, or maybe you start sowing bad seed through complaining. Or, or perhaps you're in a season of raising young children and it just feels like I'm not sure they're ever going to get it. Or perhaps you're in a season of marriage that may not feel like it's fruitful and just flourishing and uh, abundant in every way. And you may be tempted to say, you know what, I think I'm going to go to another field. I, I want to tell you, Paul wants us to know, God wants us to know, don't give up. The harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. Jesus says it this way in Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 29. The kingdom of God, life with God, is, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. He's going on about his business. The harvest has not come. He's sown it in the ground and the seed then sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. He's talking about the process. He sows the seed, he moves on, and it looks like the ha harvest hasn't come. But God says there's life in the seed. There's life in the seed, and it is working. And he goes on in verse 29 and says, And when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And, and I want to speak to you today. Do not grow weary in doing good. Church, don't get weary. Don't get tired. Don't throw in the towel on sowing and reaping because in due season we shall reap. If we do not lose heart, there is a due season coming. There is a harvest coming in your life. 
I know some of you are sacrificing in this season. You're opening your home in this season. I know some of you are are, are perhaps out of your comfort zone in this season. I want to tell you, don't get weary in well-doing for in due season. We shall reap. There is a harvest that is coming. There's a harvest in your life that is coming. And so number one, it's sacrificial. It's also proportional. It's seasonal. And the last thing I want you to see about sowing and reaping, my fourth point today, but number seven in all, is that it is eternal. Sowing and reaping is eternal. Paul says it this way, Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. That word everlasting It's the same word in the original language as eternal. Everlasting, eternal. Something that that never ends. Something that goes on for eternity. And Paul is saying this, that when you sow your life into the kingdom of God, into the things of the Spirit, it may not look like there is a harvest now. But you are sowing into something that will produce fruit for eternity. You see, the reality is every single one of us will sow our lives into something. You will give your time for something. You will give your talent for something. You will give your treasure for something. You will sacrifice your life for something. It's kind of like when you go to the cemetery and you see the headstones, and on those headstones, there's two dates, born on and died on. But it's not the born on and died on date that matters. It's actually the dash in the middle. The dash is the life. It's what they did with their life. And what we do with our lives echoes in eternity, as the movie Gladiator said. That's true for every single one of us. We are living not just for something that is temporal. Paul says we reap everlasting life. We are reaping something that is eternal. You see, there is something greater than money. There is something greater than retirement. There is something greater than a big house or a new vacation. And there's nothing wrong with those things. You can have those things and use them for eternal purposes. But there's something greater than those temporal things. And that is that which is eternal. And what Paul is telling us and what Jesus also tells us is that we should use our temporal possessions, not for immediate fruit, but for eternal fruit. Jesus says this in John chapter 12, verse 25, he who loves his life will lose it. But he who hates this, his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, what he's talking about when he says hate his life, he doesn't mean that we should be, you know, suicidal or that we should hate this world, but what he's saying is that in comparison to the life to come, eternal life with God in his kingdom, that this life and the temporal success of this life and the temporal pleasures of this life should be diminished in comparison to such a degree that we go, we don't even care about those things because we're living for that which is eternal. I've been lately in perhaps a bit of a nostalgic mood. I don't know if it's the fact that I turned 40 this year, 
which, by the way, this week, Pastor Nate turns 40. So if you're in your house church with him, you better show some love to Pastor Nate. I don't know if it's because I've turned 40 and I'm thinking about the seasons of life, but I've been a bit nostalgic lately. And, and I have been thinking about my grandfather lately on my mom's side, my papa, I called him, Andereg, Papa. Uh, John Andereg was his name. And he's with the Lord now, but I've been thinking about his life. I've been thinking about his story in, in relation to my story, because when he was my age at 40 years old, he was the number one salesman uh, in the country for a Fortune 500 company. He was successful and, and a rising star in the company. He was, um, uh, he was being given uh, promotions and, and uh, you know, recognition. And he was, by all accounts, hugely successful and becoming increasingly successful. But when he was 40 years old, um, the Lord called him to leave that field and go into a new field, to go into pastoral ministry. And people said to him, John, you're crazy. You're successful. You can serve the Lord this way. You don't have to be a pastor to serve the Lord. And that's true. But God had called him. God had called him to sow into a new field. And so when he was 40 years old, he left his, his uh, successful career and what had been very successful up until that point, and he left it. People said, you're crazy. But he left it and he went to uh, Bible school at Southeastern University. And he, at that point, had three children. He um, had to work um, delivering newspapers in the morning, bagging groceries at night, and going to school during the day. And he was sowing. He, he was giving his life, sacrificing for what he felt that God had called him to do. Sacrificed a, a successful career. And, and a few years later, he graduated college, and people said, John, you're an outstanding student. You're a great leader. You've led in business. Uh, you, you can certainly pastor a big church. And he said, you know what? I, I actually don't want to go pastor a big church. All of the other young prospective pastors were trying to be successful. They wanted to go pastor a big church. But he said, you know what? I feel like I could make a, a bigger impact in a little church. Nobody wants to go to the small churches. And he went to Ormond Beach. He and my grandmother went to Ormond Beach. And they became the pastors of a small group of people in Ormond Beach, um, just a handful of people, a fledgling congregation. But they became the pastors there and they sowed their lives into that congregation and that gr congregation grew and moved and bought a building of their own and outgrew that building and ended up moving to another building, buying property on what is now a busy intersection at the intersection of I-95 and Highway 40 in Ormond Beach, one of the main intersections in the city and they bought property there and my grandfather pastored that church for decades, sowed his life into that, uh, that congregation. He was there and ended up leaving there, kind of semi-retiring and at a season of life where most people would say, it's time to kick back, put your feet up, you've earned it, you've, you deserve a break. But one day my grandfather got a call from the Assemblies of God, the denomination that he was a part of, 
And they said, John, uh, we need a church. And uh, we're wondering if you would consider moving to the Cayman Islands, not on vacation, but as a missionary, would you consider going to plant a church? And he and my grandmother, in their retirement years, moved as missionaries to the Cayman Islands and spent um, some of their later years, uh, not on the beach, <laughs> but pioneering a, a new church. And in fact, I've got a photo I think I can show you of this little congregation that they planted, a beautiful community of people, diverse, beautiful community of people. And they gave years of their life, years that other people would once again say, you're crazy, go enjoy yourself. But they were sowing into a beautiful community of people. And now my grandfather is with the Lord. And even up until his later years of life, although he wasn't pastoring vocationally, but you could hardly find a Sunday where my grandfather wasn't on the doors of the church, greeting people, shaking people's hands, sowing into a new season. His kids were grown and gone. He wasn't doing it just because there was anything in it for him in the natural. He was doing it because he had a revelation of eternity. And today my grandfather is with the Lord. My grandmother is with the Lord. And I'll tell you this, they are receiving the reward. They are receiving the fruits of their righteousness. I love the story of Jim Elliott, perhaps a story that you may have heard. Jim Elliott was a missionary in the 1950s to Ecuador. And he went to Ecuador after several years in language school, learning the language. He was young, in his 20s, a charismatic leader, but he, he felt called to go to this unreached people group, and he prepared himself, spent several years learning the language. Many people would say, you'd be better served in other places. You're so gifted. You're so charismatic. Uh, but he felt called to the, that people group, and after learning the language, he went to Ecuador, and as their plane landed on the banks of the river, in Ecuador, and they spent a couple of days just trying to set up a camp in Ecuador in order to reach the Aka people group in Ecuador. They were attacked by the very people that they had been sent to reach. They, they were killed. Jim Elliott and four other missionaries lost their lives without ever being able to share the gospel with one person. And in the natural, it would be so easy to look at that and think, what a waste. What a waste. Let those people go to hell apart from God. They don't deserve to hear the gospel. But Jim Elliott gave his life. Why? Because he understood sowing and reaping. And when they found Jim Elliott's journal after his death, they found this quote in his journal. And he said this, he is no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. And I'll tell you today, Jim Elliott is receiving the eternal reward, the eternal harvest of the seed that he sowed. He's reaping eternal life. And that's what I want for every single one of us. This message is not about finances. This isn't about money. This is about our life. This is about us sowing our lives into 
something that will last for eternity, long after businesses come and go, long after homes come and go. There's nothing wrong with those things, but the kingdom of God will endure forever. And, and I, I want to ask you today, are you sowing into eternity? Are you sowing your life into what will last forever? He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Can I pray for you today? Father, I thank you, Lord, for every single person who's watching this video today. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you have sown the seed of your Son into our lives. God, I thank you that you have given us eternal life. Lord, I pray that we would, Lord, not just consume what you have given to us, but God, I pray, help us to see the potential. Lord, I thank you that there is a future harvest. I thank you, Lord, that even in this season, we are sowing into, Lord, a future reward that 10, 20, 30 years down the road, there will be an eternal harvest of the seed that has been sown into the season. And so, Lord, I pray, help us, God, to see the seed that you have given to us, the seed of your Son, the grace that you've given to us. And Lord, help us to live not just for what is temporal, but Lord, help us to live for what is eternal. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, church, Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for listening to this teaching. And I want to give you just a few questions as I uh, prepare to let you go. I, I want to give you just a few questions for you to consider on this thought of sowing and reaping. The first question I want to ask you is, who has sown into your life, into the faith that you have? Who has sown into your faith for you to experience the life that you have today? Who has sown into your life? Second question I want to ask you is, are there areas where you have grown weary in well-doing? As we talk about seasons, what areas in your life are, are you still believing God for that harvest season to come? Are there areas in your life where you have grown weary in well-doing? I also want to ask you this, how does living with an eternal lens affect the way you see your life? How does li living with an eternal lens affect the way you see your life, your time, your talent, your treasure? And the last thing I want to ask you is, uh, as you hear these stories of heroes of faith, I know for me it's personal, my grandfather, but as you hear the stories of the heroes of our faith, men like Jim Elliott and others that have gone before us, how does that affect the way that you see your life and the purpose of God in your life. And I hope you'll draw inspiration. I hope you'll draw encouragement from that. So church, thank you so much for joining us today. Hope that that word blesses you. I'd love for you to take some time to discuss that. Also, don't forget, we're going to be together on Sunday night at the Orlando Ballet Center, 6 p.m. Can't wait to see you then. God bless you.